27. That's Matthew 16, 24 to 27. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Happy New Year. Did you guys hear me? There you go. Can you guys hear me now? Happy New Year. There you go. That's great. Uh, I can't believe that in just a few hours, we are going to be ringing in the New Year 2024. It is uh, our prayer and focus that each individual, couple, and family in our congregation would grow spiritually and in our faith in 2024 and that God will continue to uh, cultivate in us this culture of disciple making that will lead us to intentionally and actively mature disciples who make disciples. Now, I would like to uh, start by a show of hands so that we can introduce our lesson this morning. So raise your hands if you're on social media. Okay, so pretty much everybody's hands are on social media. So if you use any of these platforms here, you're on social media. Okay, these are the most popular platforms right now in Canada for social media. So I want you guys to raise your hands if we have, if we have at least a hundred followers on any of your social media accounts. Two hundred. 500. There's still people that are hands up. A thousand. Holy, look at those two guys. Look at those two guys over there. You guys win the internet, okay? You guys win. So, I want to connect that with our lesson this morning. Today, the world has associated following Jesus with the ease and comfort of following anybody on social media. Today we have minimized what it's like to follow Jesus. And in so doing, we have made it harder for people to really understand what it's like or what it means to be in a right relationship with God. And so this morning, for the last lesson in 2023, I would like us to focus on something that is extremely important and foundational to our faith. This morning, I would like us to talk about what it means to be a disciple. A disciple is someone, a Christian, who um, has taken up Jesus' call to uh, follow him in faith and to enjoy a dynamic relationship with him. That's what, that's what a disciple is. Um, 
it is very important that we understand that um, what it's like to be that be that true Christian today and to be to be a disciple today. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to focus on one verse. That is Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. And we're going to see the three imperatives according to Jesus to discipleship. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. And so today we are going to look at these three in turn, beginning with the first one, to deny ourselves. So Jesus says that we can be his disciple if we do not deny ourselves. What does it mean to deny ourselves? Okay. What does it mean to deny self? Essentially, it's saying no to self. That's essentially what it means. But today, many people have misunderstood this particular command from Jesus of self-denial. In that, you know, many people have like uh, have a view of it that it's not complete. Like, for example. Uh, many people think that self-denial means you're just saying no to things, right? Like you're denying yourself, like, you know, that car or that house or that handbag or that hoodie. Some people think that it also extends to things that are immaterial, things that you can't touch, I guess. Some people deny themselves success or they deny themselves that promotion or that achievement or that relationship. But that is in and of itself incomplete when we think about what Jesus tells us about self-denial. Some people even go a step further. They believe that self-denial means you have to ignore yourself. Because they believe that nothing good comes out of us. So they repress their thoughts, their emotions, their achievements, their actions. Okay, But that is not it. A parallel account of our scripture reading this morning in Matthew, in Matthew 16 verse 24 in Luke gives us a very helpful hint. So this is like sort of the equivalent of our scripture reading in the book of Luke. Chapter 14 verse 26. If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. So according to this very helpful passage, self-denial means you are literally intentionally disowning or renouncing yourself as the number one thing in your life. Do you guys see that? Self-denial means you're saying no to yourself as your number one priority. And giving God that honor to be your number one priority. In particular, Jesus. So that means that everything selfish that prevents us from doing that, we have to renounce. We have to say no to. Everything that comes in the way of Jesus being our priority, we have to say no to. Like self-righteousness. Self-gratification, our self-interests and our self-promotion and so on and so forth. We have to set that aside so that Jesus 
can take, its, can take his rightful place as Lord of our lives. Not us anymore, but Jesus. So let me give you an example from my own life. You guys know that I was in the military for 20 years in the Canadian forces. And little did I know that when I signed on the dotted line to enlist as a soldier in the Canadian forces, I was in a way to a certain, de- to a certain degree signing and denying myself in a way. Okay, so when I joined the military, you know, the first thing that they had me do, and this is true in any militaries, they have you go to, uh, to recruit school or boot camp, they call it, right? So you go to boot camp, you know what, I, you know what happened to me? I used to have long hair when, when I was younger. I know it's crazy now that I'm losing all my hair, right? I used to have long hair, like up to here. Some, I think it, it went up to here. So what they did was they shaved my head. They shaved my head. They gave me a uniform to wear. They had me working with, living with, and training with a group of people. I was never by myself. I was never in a private place, even in the bathrooms. Like the bathrooms had no walls. It's just open. And you know what else? I was never called Jay in recruit school. You know what they called me? They called me recruit. (laughs) Why did they do this? What's the purpose of all that? You know what the purpose of all that is? So that my individuality would be repressed. So that I can deny myself. You know why? Because the military has bigger and better plans for me, bigger than my own self. They do that, they train us to do that, so I can do things that are bigger and better than myself. So that I can work and serve my unit the people that are around me, so that I can obey orders and fulfill missions for the Canadian forces. Because if I do not do that, I would be just thinking about myself and I won't be doing any of that. Because most of those things put me in danger. It is the same thing in our life as Christians. Without denying self, we will not be about Jesus' mission and business. We will first think about ourselves before we even think about him. And Jesus says, if you do not do that, like deny yourself, you can't be his disciple. So now, what does that look like in real life? Well, let's take a page from the example of Jesus in his book. Okay, Jesus, remember this passage? The context of this passage, in Luke 22, verse 42, Jesus prays, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Do you guys see that? So Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do when he left heaven to come to earth. He was going to die. But we we all understand that Jesus was his was was fully God and fully human. So in his humanity, he was thinking, man, I'm going to suffer like this tremendous death on the cross. And there's some anxiety there. So in his humanity, he said, Lord, if it's possible, please don't make me do this. But in the same breath, he denied himself, saying, but not what I want. It's what you want that I'm going to do. That's how it works. Now, how are we going to become like that? 
How do we really put that in practice today? How do we become Jesus, the self-denying person for the good of the world? Well, look at how the Apostle Paul put it in Philippians 3, 7 to 8. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Now, the Apostle Paul is saying that the things that he valued the most, like his um, his heritage as a Jew, as a Pharisee, his uh, achievements and his possessions, he says, all those things he counted as loss. Not that these things that he had were invaluable or junk or not relevant. He counted them loss because he realizes that if he put his confidence back in all those things again, what's going to happen is those things are going to be what defined him, not Christ. In other words, these things are going to take priority in his life, not Christ. So he counted them all lost. Do you guys see that? He says that, you know what, I don't need these things anymore. Because I don't want these things to replace him as Lord of my life. Like to understand really how he thinks, how, how, how the Apostle Paul thinks in this particular passage, he used the word garbage. You guys see that? Garbage. You guys know what garbage is? But to really understand the complexity of it, the original word used there was also the word that the Greeks used to refer to fecal matter, to poop. Do you see that? Do you see how, 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 how the Apostle Paul thought about the things that he had in comparison to the surpassing knowledge of Jesus Christ? That is how we deny ourselves today. That the things that he had, he had, he held on to because he is able to use it for Christ. If he can't use it for Jesus, and if it takes the priority that Jesus has in his life, he counted them as garbage. Now, I'm going to ask you this question. Have you denied yourself? Now, notice that I'm not asking you if you've been baptized. I'm not asking you if you've been in the church for a long time. And I'm not asking you if you've had a stellar attendance at Sunday morning worship service. I am asking you, have you said no to yourself and yes to Jesus? Have you set aside your wants in favor of what he wants for your life? That is a very important question to ask yourself and a very important decision to make because without that first step, we cannot be a disciple of Jesus. We can't say hand on heart that, hey, I'm a Christian. Impossible. Now, the second imperative of discipleship according to Jesus Christ is this. We need to take up our cross. We need to take up our cross. 
Now, do you guys remember when Jesus Christ was alive on earth, he had his disciples and he told them what was going to happen to him. Do you guys remember that? He, he was telling his disciples, you know, I, I need to, at some point, I need to go to Jerusalem and there I, I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die at the hands of the religious leaders. Do you guys remember that? Do you guys remember what the response was from his disciples, in particular Peter? Okay, this is how Peter responded to Jesus when he told him about what was going to happen to him, that he was going to die. This is what Peter said to Jesus in Matthew 16, verse 22. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh no, Lord, this will never happen to you. No way. Do you guys remember what, what Jesus said? Get away from me, Satan. Peter, you are thinking about earthly things. You need to think about godly things. You need to think about the spirit instead of the earth. You need to think about the will of God instead of the will of man. Now today, the world is no different. The world wants Jesus Christ without the cross. Now why do we think that people want Christianity without the cross? Well, because of what the cross stands for. When we say we need to take up the cross, literally, Jesus is telling us you need to die to self. You need to die. That is what it means. We need to die to self. Philippians 2, 5 to 7. We get an idea of what it's like to die to self. And again, this is from the example of Jesus. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he, had, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Do you see how Jesus denied himself and literally took up his own cross? He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. He gave up his privileges. Like today, especially in Canada, you know what I'm saying? It's all about my rights. Without that, I'm nothing. Without that, I'm nobody. Without that, I'm not a Canadian citizen. Because that is what we hold on to, number one in our lives, is our citizenship. But the example of Jesus is different. And you know, as disciples, we are called to be like Him, like Jesus. And we follow His example. Jesus died to self and literally died on the cross so that He can give us life. And when we die to self and allow Jesus to live in us, you know what that's like. Well, the Apostle Paul knew exactly what that's like. Because in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he explains what it's like to really die to self and live for Christ. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. Because of that, I'm dead. I no longer live. I have died. But I'm still walking around. And the reason is because Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, 
I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How beautiful is that? To live for Christ and to die to self. Now, here's the question. Have you died to self? Now, notice, I'm not asking you if you serve in the church in any capacity. I'm not asking you if you volunteer at a charity somewhere in the city or give to a charity somewhere in the globe. And I'm not asking you if, you know, if, if, uh, if, if, uh, if you use your money, you know, uh, wisely and everything that you have wisely. What I'm asking is this. I'm asking, have you died to self so that you can live for Jesus? So that Jesus can actually become Lord of your life. Not you, Lord of your life. Jesus as Lord of your life. This is very important because without these two things, denying ourselves and taking up our cross, we cannot follow Jesus. And that's the third thing that Jesus tells us that we need to do. But the thing is, we can say that we're Christians and we can profess that we follow Jesus without having done the first two. We can say that we were the name Christian without denying ourselves and without dying to self. And you know what happens when that happens? What happens when Christians say that they're Christians without denying themselves first and, and dying to self? What happens is they're going to go through the motions. What happens is they're going to be a superficial Christian. They're going to do the things that look good, but deep inside, they have not really changed. They're not becoming like Jesus in their love. They're not becoming like Jesus in their service. They're not becoming like Jesus in their compassion for people. They're not becoming like Jesus in their forgiveness. They're not becoming like Jesus in their spirituality. They're still worldly like the rest of their friends. They want the same things in their life as what their friends want in their life. Nothing has changed. So every time, in every situation... Okay, if they're just by themselves, they still do the things that they want to do, not what he wants to do. That is what happens when we say we're Christians and follow Jesus without denying ourselves and without dying to ourselves. And what happens is we just do things because we want to be right. We do things to be right so we can, we can make fun of those people who don't do what we do. And what happens is, we do things just because we have to do it. There's no love there. There's no heart. And the first thing that goes is our purpose. We don't know why we're here. We don't know why we're Christians. We just go through the motions. There's no purpose. But the thing is, Jesus tells us to follow him for a purpose. Look at Matthew 4 verse 19. Follow me and what? I will make you fishers of men. Between Matthew 4 and the Great Commission. Do you guys remember the Great Commission? In Matthew 28. So, I don't know how many verses that is. 28 minus 4, I'm not sure. 24 verses after. Okay. See, I did the math. 
between there and there, Jesus said, Matthew 28, 19 to 20, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Between Matthew 4 and Matthew 28, Jesus trained his disciples to follow him so closely that by the end, when he told them this, they were like, yes. They didn't scratch their heads and go, what? What was that? What? What? I was not prepared for that. But now the church today is not prepared for this. You know why? Because this is not a comfortable command. You know, you guys know what happened to the disciples? The apostles? In their efforts to follow Jesus to this? To follow Jesus and participate in his mission? Some of them were hung upside down. Some of them were beheaded. Some of them were crucified. For this. Now, hear me out. If we say that we follow Jesus, but we have not denied ourselves, we have not died to self and taken up our cross, this uncomfortable command to go baptize and teach people to obey becomes calm. Come and be baptized so I can come to church on Sundays. It becomes comfortable because we want to be comfortable. We don't want to grow. We don't want to be like Jesus slowly but surely every single day. We just want to be comfortable. That's what happens. Now, this thing is not complete, right? There's a promise at the end there. Here's the promise. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I want you guys to think like, you know, really heart to heart here. Do you sometimes feel that you're not close to Jesus? That he's not there in your life? Do you sometimes feel that your religion, your faith is empty? That you're just going through the motions. You know why? Because we have forgotten our purpose. We learn. We stuff our heads with information about the Bible. We believe it. We love it. But then we don't know what to do with it. We don't know how. We don't, we don't know where to have an outlet for it. But our purpose is that the love that Jesus has for us does not stay with us. It has to go out into all the world. So people will know about Jesus. That's the point. That's the point. It's amazing that Jesus said here that I'm going to be with you always till the very end of the age. As he tied it to the Great Commission. Maybe sometimes you don't feel the presence of Jesus because we haven't been participating in his mission. We haven't been growing and maturing so that we can naturally, organically do this. Because mature Christians naturally just exude of that light of Jesus. You don't have to cajole and and, uh, and 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 uh, and and force people to make disciples of their spouses 
of their children, of the people around them, the friends and co-workers that they see all the time. It just happens because Jesus is with them. Now, the last thing that I want to talk to you about is why. Why do we want to follow Jesus? Let me tell you a story. One time, when we were in, Linda and I lived in England, and it's not because, you know, we, we thought it was a good place to live. Like, it was for work, right? We were there for three years. In 2011, I remembered we got this correspondence from the Queen of England. Kid you not. She was inviting Linda and I to a garden party in her residence at Buckingham Palace. It said, I know if I remember this correctly, Her Majesty Elizabeth II requests the honor of your presence at her garden party to be held in her residence at Buckingham Palace on the 29th of June, 2011. It's like, is this for real, hun? Maybe like, you know, we have a lot of neighbors here. Maybe it's for them, not for us. But it's for us because our names are on there. And it's said in there, we will be in the queen's enclosure. Do you guys know what that is? So there's this, there's a party, but then there's this enclosure where the queen is in the middle. And we're in there. Like literally, we would, we, we were here. And then the queen is just where, where Tim, Tim was. We were here at a table and the queen was right there. And sometimes when I looked, she would be looking at me and I'd be smiling. <laughs> she smiled at me. I could have told her, slay it, queen, but I didn't because I didn't know that expression at the time. But she was slaying it right there. She was so cool. You know, what do you think we felt when we received that correspondence? You think, ah, when is it? Oh, come on. We had plans then, hon. Do you think we did that? Oh, we didn't do that. We didn't even care about what the plans that we did at the time. We were going to go. It had, it, it had, it had, a, it had an attire thing too. Like you have to wear this, like a, like a really formal attire. I, I don't care. I'm going to rent it. I'm going to buy it. I don't care. I'm going to go. And it was beautiful when we went. Now, why did I tell you this? Jesus invites us, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. This is Jesus talking. He's not some politician or famous person. He's not some person who, who had some good things to say. This is Jesus Christ inviting you to, to follow him. What do we say to that? We say yes. We say, yes, uh, you want me to deny myself? Oh, yeah, sure. Forget you, Jay. You want me to die? To oh, I'm dead. You're alive in me, Jesus. I'm good. That is the response. So, brothers and sisters, today, I want us to have this prayer from, from David. We just sang this, right? Before the sermon. Okay? It says, create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. 
David is saying, Lord, I want to be in an eternal, fulfilling relationship with you. I want you to be near me. I want your spirit in me. And I want this to be evident through my heart. I want you to change my heart and the trajectory of my life. Build me up. But the thing is, the song only goes as far as verse 12. It doesn't go to verse 13. But in verse 13 is important because verse 13 tells us why David wanted this. Do you guys know why David wanted this? Right there. It's like a magic trick. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Brothers and sisters, David has not forgotten his purpose. He wanted to die to self. He wanted to deny himself so that he could participate in the mission of God to bring people back to him. So this morning, I want us to resolve for 2024 to come to Jesus. To grow in a relationship with him so that he can change us and the people around us. I want us to think about it as we sing the song. I want us to hasten to him. Hasten glad and free to Jesus. Greatest and highest. I want us to come to him. Thank you for your time. And Happy New Year.